and you're listening to Better Half Chats, a dialogue between a seminary husband, Andrew, and his very candid wife, that's me, Bethany. Today we're looking at the passage James 1, 1 through 4. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Hi, this is Bethany again, and this is our very first episode of our first season of Better Half Chats, and we just wanted to start off this episode by talking about um, who we are, why we decided to do this, and what we hope it does. So we just had a baby, and um, well, she's 10 months old, so we had her a while ago, but ever since um, she came into our life, our schedule got all out of whack, and our normal kind of turned upside down, and I have just not had a designated time um, where I was studying the Bible, and my opportunities for community um, with other adults where we could talk about the Bible had decreased significantly. So I felt the need to figure out a new way um, to study the Bible or to encourage me to study the Bible or to talk about the Bible with people or think about the Bible. And um, I just was trying to think outside the box and figure out what my new solution would be. So I started listening to podcasts, trying to find something that would um, kind of jumpstart this new um, adventure for me. And I just never could find anything that was just what I was looking for. So I came to my husband and I said, let's just do it ourselves. So it's been really fun to have something, um, kind of a deadline to, okay, you have to read this passage and think about it. And we're going to talk about it on this day. And it's, it's been really exciting for us, um, to dig deep and have something, um, kind of a deadline and to force us to do it because before when we would do something like this, we've done in the past where we decided we're going to talk about passage, we kind of would procrastinate or put it off and then it became a guilt cycle and we were just not looking for that anymore. And um, so I came to Andrew and I said, I have this idea, let's read passages of the Bible, let's not talk about it all week until the mic is on and we'll talk about it um, on a recording and post it. And um, Andrew was all in. So Yeah, and I think the same goes for me as, in terms of having a baby was a just a big shocker, obviously. I mean, anybody who has had a baby knows that. It changes everything about your life. It changes your schedule completely. And so a lot of things kind of get, you know, rearranged and, and or forced out of your life when you have a baby. Um, and for us, it was just really hard for us to find time to sit down and discuss the Bible together, like Bethany said. So this is, this is our idea to do that. And part of the appeal of it, we hope, is that this is going to be a very candid discussion. Like Bethany said, we're, we're kind of just, the first time we're talking about it is, is here on the mic. And so we may say some things that are, you know, maybe not totally hashed out or maybe not totally um, all put together thoughts. These are just kind of off the cuff sort of uh, thoughts that, that we just come across as we read scripture and we're discussing it together. So uh, hopefully that's part of the appeal of it. Uh, the other interesting thing that we hope is, is appealing about this is when, when we first got married, Bethany and I, 
it was interesting because I was in seminary, Bethany wasn't, and I had all these thoughts, and I thought I was really smart and really, um, you know, knew everything. And so oftentimes we'd start discussing the Bible, and, and it would end up just be me, like, saying, no, this is what the Bible is saying. And Bethany would just sort of be hurt by that and, and just wouldn't really get anything out of it. And so um, it's I've changed a lot since the beginning of our marriage, and, and my hope is to just hopefully use my knowledge and the things that I've studied to to come at that a better way and, and discussing it with my wife and, and also kind of giving you guys some, some food for thought as well. And Bethany comes at it from a completely different angle. Um, maybe I can let you explain a yeah. little bit more about that. I hope to give confidence to those people that don't have all the book learning, <laughs> <laughs> um, but who who can read a Bible and who can make thoughts on their own and develop their own ideas about things without um, having read every other theologian's thoughts on it. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing, but it's not. Like, it would take me probably five years to read one of Andrew's seminary books, start to finish, just because it's it's not my thing at all um, to read that kind of of book. So, um, so God speaks to me in a different way, and and I hope that um, people can hear um, us discuss this and see that um, God can show me things. Um, that have a lot of truth to them that that do align with the things that Andrew's learned, um, and um, it's all great. And and Andrew can learn some things from me, and I learn a lot of things from Andrew. But um, the dialogue is important, and it's necessary, and um, community is important. And and I think that's the main thing is um, you have to put all the pieces together, and that happens through community. Exactly. So. This is, like I said, it's going to be a dialogue. It's not going to be completely perfect or completely hashed out. Uh, we hope that we don't get, you know, <laughs> backlash from people saying, well, no, that's not what that passage is about. Keep in mind, this is just us talking it out for the very first time, and, and we'd like to continue dialogue. And um, But if you have anything to add, we'd love to hear your views. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So email us um, Tweet us. Is that how you say it? I'm not yes. on. This is, yeah. <laughs> this is my first Twitter account. Um, so tweet at us and um, we will try to respond. And we would love just to start a dialogue that happens all throughout the day. And especially for all of you people that do have babies at home and don't get to get out a lot, um, maybe this can be our online community. Yeah. And you can find us at, at Better Half Chats on Twitter. And also you can email us at betterhalfchats at gmail.com. So we do hope to hear from you. So I'm new to Twitter, but is it necessary to say at, at? I don't really know. I'm not really sure. I keep saying that. I just know that. Somebody clarify that for us. Somebody clarify that for us. I I just know that the little at symbol is before everyone's name on Twitter. And so I say that. I don't know if that's what everyone else says or not. Um, But you get the picture. All right, so today we're going to talk about James 1, 1 through 4, and let's start by talking about um, the writer, the author. Okay, cool. So, yeah, James was the brother of Jesus, which immediately brings a pretty interesting uh, viewpoint to his writing. Um, He grew up with Jesus. He saw him during his childhood, 
um, probably, you know, had a relationship with him typical of any other set of brothers in that time. And so you can imagine when Jesus started, you know, claiming to be God, uh, James was probably pretty miffed about that. So I was reading it and I was wondering, it says, um, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. <laughs> and my logistical <laughs> mind is like, who are the readers? Like, how do you send a letter to a dispersed people? Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good question. Uh, yeah. The, so the, the diaspora, which is the word there, um, is he's talking about this letter is going to go out to all, all the Jews, basically all of the 12 tribes. And so what this is, is kind of like an open letter. So you know how all the open letters are like, you know, proliferating on Facebook you know, it's an open letter to pretty much everybody <laughs> right now. But and, where do they post? I mean, how did he get it out? Well, so it's kind of like they, he would, he would mail it to one group of believers somewhere. And the goal was for them to reproduce that and spread it to other believers. It was kind of like a, maybe like a viral letter almost. <laughs> like he would, this letter would be dispersed to a large number of groups of believers. And so hmm. this in this way, it's not to any one particular group of believers in one place like many of the other New Testament letters. It's, it's a letter that was meant to be sent out to a large number of groups of people. So the interesting thing about this letter is that it doesn't address a lot of issues that are specific to one place as a lot of Paul's letters do. However, it does address a lot of just really general issues. Um, it's also an interesting book because it's very... James has a, a, an interesting view on the way that faith and works go together, the way that what you do has a role in, in uh, what saves you. And so for that reason, a lot of the... Especially Martin Luther in the Reformation hated James. He hated this book and he wanted it taken out of the canon because it, he believed that it, um, that it took away from all the things that Paul says about faith being the only thing that saves you. Hmm. So let's move on to verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. I'm reading, I'm reading from the New American Standard. Um, I thought it was interesting because... When I read this and I know how I feel um, about trials, this doesn't feel like a real statement to me. Like I wouldn't, this doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't, like I don't get it. It's not real. It's not true to me because it's not how I feel. So then I had to really dig deep and I was like, well, it's the Bible. So I need to find, find the truth, like research it or read it enough or learn about it enough to know what it's really talking about so that what I understand about it does feel real to me. I mean, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. to, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not just going to dismiss the passage, but I'm also not just going to think about it in a way that doesn't feel real. So I, I was like, I, I need to figure out what it's really talking about in a way that does feel real to me. Um, so I was looking at um, the word, um, the definition of the word joy, and somewhere on Bible Hub when I was looking, I read that it, it was grace recognized. 
cool. Which that totally transformed consider it all joy. Because in my mind, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy. I mean, it's like <laughs> joy. I'm so full of joy. I'm so happy. I'm so have good, good feelings, you know. Right. And um, rec- the recognition of grace does not always, um, it's not the same feeling to me at all. I mean, mm-hmm. um, usually grace is given to us, um, you know, when we're in need of grace. I mean, when we're in need of grace, we're not exactly um, joyful. <laughs> I mean, mm. those times are not are not the same, um, but when you recognize that you're being given grace, that does produce joy, sure. so it makes a lot more sense. Um, so I guess the way I started to, to understand it is, um, you know, recognize the joy um, in every trial. That's kind of the way I, I, that makes sense to me. Recognize the grace, I mean, recognize the grace um, in every trial, and and um, that brings thankfulness and joy in that moment. And it also is interesting because it's there is grace, like it is present in every, you know, consider it all joy. Like there's grace in every part of it, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, for sure. I think that you hit on a really good point there. And the difference between what does it mean to be joyful versus what does it just mean to what does it mean to just have happy feelings or, or have happiness? I think there's a really good distinction there that joy is a is a deeper sense of 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 contentment um, when you do recognize grace. And I think we're always in need of grace in some in in some sense. Uh, obviously. You know, even though sometimes we're better than others, we're always in need of grace. But yeah, sometimes we feel that need more than others, and it's in those times uh, when we're facing those types of trials that we have to recognize that God is, in fact, always gracious. And regardless of what it is that we're going through, He's doing something that's going to bring us even greater grace. And so that's that's hard to realize, but. I think you hit on a really good distinction there, and I like that definition of recognizing grace. I think that's a really good mm-hmm. way to look at it. Because that does bring joy to to recognize the grace in every situation. I mean, it does it does give you kind of like a uh, sigh of relief, like yep. Oh, okay, I see. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that takes us to the next verse, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Um, does yours say something different? It says testing. It just says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So this is another one of those that it didn't make sense to me because I'm thinking the, the, word, test, uh, the word testing to me, um, I just pictured something having like wear and tear. Like the more you test it, the more it gets like wear and tear and it like, starts to fall apart like you test something until it breaks to see how much it can handle you know like I was thinking about you know testing a tool or a beam in a building or you know what I mean like how much weight can it hold and I just that word like didn't really put a visual in my mind that produced endurance or steadfastness it produced like brokenness and like wear and tear sure so then I was like well I couldn't figure out like to me the word practice 
like thinking of it as like endurance or as um, steadfastness is like a muscle that needs to be exercised and practiced, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And to me that was like, oh yeah, the more you do that, the stronger it gets. So that visual was a little bit more helpful for me, but I like made that up, so I don't know if that's really what, what it's talking about or yeah. the visual that I need to be picturing. Well, just in looking at the, in the word, in the Greek, it's a, um, it's a word that means, it's a testing that proves genuineness. And so, in my mind, it brings up more of the, this, uh, maybe the idea of, of looking at a jewel through one of those little scopes that a jeweler has, you know, and you kind of look at that jewel to see how pure is this, you know, how, um, how genuine is this, this gem that I have here. And, and that fits, I think that fits nicely with, with this idea here. Um, it, God brings us through trials, not only to, and not only are we to, to find the grace in that, but also find the grace in the fact that God is actually working in your life. If you're, what James is getting at is that if, if you're facing a trial, that means that God is doing something in your life. God is making you more genuine. He's um, purifying you. He's bringing you through the, the, this refining fire kind of thing. And so in, in this, this refining fire will make you a more genuine person, a more genuine follower of God. What do you what do you think about that? Does that make sense to you, or does it is that not really resonate? Yeah, that does resonate. I mean, I think um, I kind of rewrote. I don't know. Is that is that radical to rewrite passage? <laughs> I mean, I'm not rewriting the Bible, but I'm I'm trying to to make it make sense to me. You, you paraphrased know? it. Paraphrased it in Bethany words, and um, so tell me if if you think this is accurate. Okay. Um, I said, you know, practice recognizing the grace in a trial and resting in that grace until it brings joy and that will make you stronger and able to endure more trials. I guess. Yeah. I don't even know if that's the point. I don't know if the point is to be able to endure more trials or the point is to be a better servant. Maybe that's based on what you were saying. Maybe we're a better tool for Christ the stronger we are. You know, We're a stronger tool for him and we can I don't know. Well, I think it's, I mean, I think verse 4 kind of tells us what it what it's all about. I mean, because if you look at this, two verses 2 through 4, it's kind of like a flow chart. Like you have, the first thing is you're going to face trials, okay? So the first step is, yeah, you, you're going to face trials. You're not going to avoid that. Second step is um, this is going to produce steadfastness in you or, or endurance or... Um, whatever you want to call it, then the final step is you become complete. It says you become perfect, which doesn't mean you become perfect like you do everything right. It means perfect as in you become complete or, or more mature. And so, yeah, I mean, I think maturity is is kind of the end goal. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Um, well, verse 4 was another one of those verses that I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. And this, this is a verse that I've heard a lot in my life, but I guess I've just been like, eh, consider it all drawing, you know, just like <laughs> read it and was like, yeah, that's great, you know. But as I really was trying to study it, which is the whole point of why we're doing this, right. I was like, nope, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't I don't believe what I'm saying. I, I want to believe what I'm saying, so I need to understand it better. So... Mm -hmm. 
my concept of perfection was something that you could only attain in the afterlife. Okay. So that didn't that didn't make sense to me that we would have, you know, let endurance have its perfect result. Um, I guess when I'd read that before, I just thought like, so that you go to heaven, you know, like, mm. but I don't, reading it now, I don't think that's what it's saying. And I, and I, so I was trying to think, um, what does perfection on earth look like? And, you know, the only answer I had was that it, and it's not possible without Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it also doesn't look like what perfection looks like in my mind because I am a perfectionist and perfection is, um, it, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's no flaw. I mean, and that's, yeah. that's, I don't know, that's not attainable. Right. I think that's where I kind of have, like I was saying before, I, I think I've just sort of had have come to look at the word perfection in a different way. Um, because really, I mean, really where it roots is, is in the idea of, of completion and not so much that there's absolutely nothing wrong or that you are pristine or that the things that you do are, are completely morally right, but rather that you are complete in the sense that you are equipped fully for whatever's going to come your way in the future. Um, and for whatever work God has for you. I think that's where I've come, the way I've come to understand it. And yeah, I think there is a sense where eventually perfection does mean, like, yeah, in the afterlife, where you receive a new body, you know, we're a new, it's a new creation, right? So I think there is that idea of perfection eventually, but it has to mean something for us now, too. You know, it can't just mean Mm -hmm. something for us after we die, because... Obviously, James wrote this to people who are living on earth, you know? He wrote this to people who have actual lives here. Um, They weren't just looking ahead to, you know, the afterlife. Right. So are we, I mean, are we selling ourselves out to believe that perfection is unattainable? I mean, if we are complete with Christ, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like our potential is more than I even thought it was on earth, you know? Kind of, I don't know. I guess I've just been like, oh, I can never be perfect, so I sin, that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's but I guess I feel yeah. like I'm selling myself out. Like, I, if I have Christ, what is my potential? And I don't know. What, I don't know. Sure. Yeah, I think that that's probably, there is probably something where that idea of, oh, I'll never be perfect, that probably is going a little bit too far and some of this um if some people come from like a from more of a wesleyan methodist tradition this is an idea that really springs from from that tradition and the idea that we can attain sinlessness um and you know there's different there's different views on that and some disagreement among um other denominations with how attainable that is but um I do think that that this verse kind of speaks to the fact that these trials that we're going through, they're bringing us closer and closer to completion. Um, my personal belief is that we don't ever get there on this side of heaven, but we we do come closer and closer. Um, 
But yeah, it may be that some people look at this idea and say, I'll never be perfect and kind of use that as a license to just sort of be lazy. Yeah. I can see how Martin Luther wanted this out though because it's like messing with my mind right now because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. how perfect can I be? <laughs> and I'm like yeah. wanting to, I'm wanting to like get it, you know, like right. I want to be more perfect than everyone. But I'm like, that's not, it's totally not the point, but I can sure. see how they were, he was like protecting people. <laughs> like, don't even let them hear that. But mm. there is a message in here that needs to be heard um but it's kind of like how to pull your like sinful uh twist out of it and just (laughs) and just read the message you know like sure that's just i don't know yeah i mean it's really it is really uh, this is where james yeah this is where james can really mess you up i mean he (laughs) he's uh he's much different than than a lot of the other parts of the new testament so I guess the main idea for this particular scripture is recognizing the grace in every trouble that you may face. Yeah, well, and more I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking I can think of specific times in my life when I couldn't find the grace, when yeah. I was in a trial and I was like, I can't find anything, anything in this that I could call grace. And, and I know... I know it was there, but in the moment, I was like, it just shattered everything that I believed. So I guess that's why we study scripture, so that we can lean into what we know in those times instead of what we feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that, I think that's the point of what he's saying is like, this is something you just have to do. This is, this is um, a discipline that you have to do to get through trials and to develop. Because... It's not going to feel like a moment of grace. It's not going to feel like you're being given any gifts. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to find joy if you're looking for the circumstance or the feeling, mm-hmm. I feel. Sure. And and I think sometimes grace, too, can come in, in ways that are really, really tiny. But even sometimes just making it through a particular day might be a grace in and of itself, I right. guess. Yeah. Um, but we do recognize that there's times in your life where this is just going to be extremely hard to see. And yeah, and it is a discipline. It is a discipline. Because now, yeah. now looking back on those times, I can see a bigger picture. There was a lot of grace in that. I mean, I was looking at a speck on the timeline. And um, I think I said that before. <laughs> I think I say that a lot. A speck on the timeline. Um, Bethany's really into specs. <laughs> I'm really into timelines, really. <laughs> Whenever Andrew was in seminary, I was like, can you just draw me a timeline? Because I'm so confused about when things happened. And I really thought he was going to like clarify it for me, but it never really... Never really. It was just too complicated. And then she had to help me color my church history timeline. <laughs> and I was like, forget it. I don't want any more timelines. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole another story for another day. <laughs> Anyways, I, I think when we're in the moment, we're looking at this tiny speck of time when, you know, the grace unfolds like over more time, maybe. But anyways, I can see the grace now. And some people might be looking back on, on trials in their life and they still can't see the grace. Yeah. I mean that's that could happen, but um the truth is like it's it's there and that's the discipline is is resting in the, in well having faith in that truth and resting in that 
and and knowing it. I mean, that's the hard part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Better Half Chats. You can email us at betterhalfchats at gmail.com or tweet us at betterhalfchats. Next week, we will be going over John 1, 1 through 5. So read up and come prepared to give us your input. Um, See you next week. Bye.